You are listening to audio messages from Sunday mornings at Horizon. It is our hope and desire that this podcast would be a useful tool in your growth and in your walk with Christ. If you've not yet subscribed to our various channels, make sure you do so in order to stay up to date with the most current messages. More information about Horizon, as well as notes for this message, can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, today is a day that God has made, the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. And so I pray you come and you've come with a heart of gratitude. We are continuing our study this morning on the knowledge of the holy. It's a book that A.W. Tozer has written uh, long ago, but uh, I'll tell you what, if you don't have this book, it should be in your library. It's very thin. The Pastor Tim has said this before. The chapters are really short. I love it. And uh, it outlines uh, who God is. And so in review, Pastor Tim, he, he went over with us that God is self-existence, the self-existence of God. Everything has originated somewhere in time, everything except God. This is hard for our minds to understand, but he is self-existent. Nobody created him. Next, we have the self-sufficiency of God. God depends on nothing. And Pastor Tim said, he said, the great news is that the God who needs no one has sovereignly set himself to work in and through his obedient children. He needs no one, but when faith is present, he works through anyone. Then he taught us about the eternity of God. God dwells in eternity, but at no time dwells, or but time dwells in God. He has already lived all our tomorrows, and he has lived all our yesterdays. That's hard to think about, but our God is eternal. He's way beyond where you can think he is. He is eternal, far beyond. He's lived all of our tomorrows. He already knows what has happened. Pastor Jeff, then the next week, he went over God's infinitude. God is limitless. This is important to know. God is without limit, impossible for our limited minds to conceive. He said that today, God's greatness. It's impossible, but we try, but we know that he is infinite. Next, he talked about the immutability of God. There's that word, immutability. God never changes. In fact, Pastor Jeff said that if he ever did change, he would cease being God. And that's important to know. That's really important to know for those of us that don't understand that God never changes. Never, not once. If he ever did, he would not be an infinite God. So just keep that in mind. Also, uh, Jeff went on to talk about the divine omniscience, omniscience. So he is uh, all-knowing. God possesses perfect knowledge and therefore has no need to learn. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. There's nothing you tell him that he doesn't already know. There's nothing that you don't tell him that he doesn't already know. He is all-knowing. And then Pastor Tim last week talked about the wisdom of God uh, putting all knowledge to work. So everything that we know, we pray, he talked about praying for wisdom to put all that we know at work in our lives. He is all wise, and he's the one that we go to for wisdom. The om omnipotence, omnipotent of God, Pastor Tim said, he is all powerful, potent, powerful, omni, all over. 
He is all-powerful. That's important to know in knowing and understanding God. And then lastly, the divine transcendent. He is exalted far above the created universe, so far above that human thought cannot imagine it. It's hard for us to even fathom. He is above, above the heavens. He is beyond the universe. He's beyond anything that a telescope can see. Amen? He's far beyond what we can imagine. That's the transcendence of the divine. So if you would, go back to that, the purpose-driven, the main idea of this whole series is your understanding of who God is dictates the course and future of your life. It doesn't matter how much I understand. It matters how much you understand. I can't know him for you. Only you can know him. Only you can build that relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's important to understand that. So the, the statement, your understanding of God, dictates the course and future of life. We're going to talk more and more about that. We already have been in this series. But understand it is your responsibility. Um, all, I, all we can do is just lay, lay the knowledge out there. You can take that knowledge, ask for wisdom, and build a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this week, I'm going to cover the omnipresence of God. The fullness of God is present everywhere at the same time. The word presence means here, close to, next to, and the prefix, and we've talked about this in past weeks, gives universality, unlimited range. He is all present. He is present everywhere at the same time. I'm going to give you a scriptural example. King Solomon prays when dedicating the temple that he built, 1 Kings 8, 27 through 30, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built, yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Oh, Lord, my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place which you said my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. This prayer can be confusing if you don't understand the omnipresence of God. He's asking a question knowing the answer. Will you really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, can't contain you. How much less this temple yet give attention. So he's saying, even though you're everywhere at the same time, his prayer is give attention to this place that you've named after yourself. Not only put attention on it, but day and night. Don't take your eyes off of it. Understanding that his presence is everywhere. There's no limit to your presence. The fullness of God is everywhere at the same time. Not just a part of God, but his fullness. That's why we have the assurance that no matter where we are, God only, he, he not only hears our prayer, but his presence is with us. Amen? My wife and I, Francine and I, we have a heart for prayer. And we have started a fervent prayer night in Lodi. Uh, in fact, we're meeting this Friday at 6.30. But we meet every second Friday of the month. And with the understanding that the fullness of God is present and he hears our prayers. And the scriptures that we can refer to for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them, out of Matthew 18.20. And within God's omnipotence, 
omnipresence, he can make his presence known as he chooses. Amen? Second Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Did you know that? Did you know that he is, he is, although he's everywhere at the same time, he's looking for those that are fully, whose hearts are fully committed to him. Why? So he can strengthen us. That's important to know. Understanding this about, uh, this about God, just this one point, can truly change the course of our life. He's looking for you. Anybody need strength? <laughs> Uh, God doesn't miss anything when he's not looking. This is another misconception. This is a mind game that we play. He sees everything everywhere at once. It's not like while his attention is over here, he doesn't know what's going on back there. We do that all the time. We, somehow we play this to where we think maybe sometimes he doesn't see us. And that's how we fall into sin. And that's how we fall into different ways of thinking that can you see how thinking that way can change the course of your life? I can. I've lived it. I understand what that's about. Psalm 139 in Psalm of, is a Psalm of David, verses 7, 12. This is where my mind always goes when I talk about this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There's no place. There's no place we can hide from him, but there's no place that he won't go to pursue us to love us, amen, to rescue us, to strengthen us. God is omnipresent. That's one of the easier ones to understand. Next we have the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God is both who he is and what he does. It's a little bit more difficult because there's not one definitive explanation, but Tozer writes this in the book. He says, uh, God being who he is cannot cease to be what he is and being what he is, he cannot act out of character with himself. He is at once faithful and immutable so all his words and acts must be and remain faithful. Wow. Faithfulness. Because God is faithful, he promises, um, his promises will be fulfilled because he never changes. He always keeps his word. He always keeps his word. If he ever fails at keeping his word, he is not faithful. Just think about that. Scripture teaches us that God likes being reminded of his promises. Have you ever seen those promises, but I've gotten them through the years. I, I tell you the truth, be honest, in the early part of my relationship, I didn't know what they were. I read it. This is kind of like, okay, this God promises these things. How does that affect my life? Promises are meant to remind God what he promised. He likes to be reminded. So a promise book is used, especially in prayer, when you're praying. God, you promised. He loves to be reminded, and therefore comes your prayer request. He loves it, and it's all throughout Scripture. 
I'll share a scripture with you. When John and Peter were brought before the Jewish council and were sent away after being told not to speak about Jesus anymore, they went and told the other disciples and all that happened. The disciples remembered that this was all the work of the Lord. And so they recounted his words and his promises communally and asked for boldness in the midst of all that was coming. They raised their voices together. And we can, we can look at this together, Acts 4. They lifted up their voice together, the disciples, and they said, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus. They remembered in Psalm 2.1 that God said that this was going to happen. And they went on to say in verses 29 through 30, now, Lord, this is their, so they've reminded him of his word, and now they're saying, and now, Lord, this is, our, this is their request. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our holy servant, Jesus. Isn't that interesting? They remembered what God had said. They reminded God of what he said. And then their request was, give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus. Give us boldness to do what they've told us we can't do. Man, there's all kinds of things in work in that scripture. There's all kinds of doctrine. But the one that we're looking at is truly he is faithful to his word. He cannot be unfaithful. Um, this is what it looks like to pray according to God's word. It's knowing scripture enough to know what God desires to do, what he has promised to do, and what he will do because he is faithful. Amen. I'll share a story with you. Um, so a scriptural application, I'll share a personal story. Um, and Jacob, our middle boy, he went to Jim Elliott Christian High School, and they go to a camp every year. And that year it was Jeunesse uh, Park. And, he, and, and all the students and all the teachers, and they usually have a motivational speaker or a keynote speaker, a pastor or whoever, to motivate them and, and inspire them for the, for the coming year. And he came back. Um, it was on a Monday, I believe he came back, and he wasn't feeling well. Uh, he had a low-grade temp. You know, he just wasn't feeling well. And kids, you know, he's 15 years old, and they get stuff, and maybe it's the flu. And so, um, you know, we just kind of treated it that way, kept him home from school the next day, and it progressively got worse. And he began to, to have a little temperature. We gave him some Tylenol. Uh, we had gone to church. We were in rehearsal, and he called Francine and said, I'm burning up. Like, I'm on fire. So we went home. We did all that parents know how to do to try to bring a fever down. And, um, and it didn't work. He was, his breathing had changed. Um, uh, he, he, was, he was bright red. Um, so we ended up taking him to the hospital. Well, actually, we took him to his pediatrician. Um, and his pediatrician looked at him. And his blood pressure, I guess, was so low, he shouldn't have been walking. Um, 
his his fever was to a point to where it was giving him the chills and you know i mean he was he was sick and so he examined his body and he had some petechiae or some blood vessels that had been bursting on his legs and so he was really concerned for him he brought in um, an infectious disease doctor and the doctor kind of looked at him and you could tell he didn't really know what was wrong and and um but the pediatrician, he knew something, and we, and we knew it when he said, if it is what I think it is, I'm going to give him, and we're going to transport him to the Santa Clara Hospital where they have another special um, infectious disease doctor from the East Coast. I'm going to give him uh, some antibiotic before, he takes, before the ambulance takes him. And so he did that. We met uh, him there at that hospital, and he was failing. He basically, he was in... Uh, septic shock and his um, his organs were failing and he began to wheeze and the doctor's like when did you know he's got asthma and we were kept on telling him you know how doctors do that we kept telling the doctor he doesn't have asthma he just started wheezing and so the result was his body was shutting down and and so they they quickly moved him in and it was kind of like you know, house the, the special where they had a bunch of doctors trying to figure out what was wrong with them, and they had no idea. Uh, we were asleep in the room, and um, I remember they woke us up. It was freezing. They had turned the, the, the air conditioner up full blast, and they were packing him with ice. And, and they told us, they said, it's, it's time for you guys to leave the room. And just so you know, you know, doctors can be so insensitive. Just so you know, his body's failing. And so we left the room, and we went in. I'm sorry. We went into the waiting room, and we opened the Bible to Mark 4, 35 through 41. We're going to read that. And understand, we didn't know what to do. We just opened the scripture, and we started reading. So that day, when evening came, you said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind. No, notice his goal was, we're going to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall or a storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care for drowning? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Go to the next one. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still, uh, do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So like the disciples, Francine and I, you know, in that room, we just cried out to God. We said, God, you are faithful. It was something like this. Just to the best of my recount, uh, I had to write it down, but every time I recall, it's a little bit different, but same elements apply. You're faithful, you're all-powerful. Even the wind and waves obey you, Jesus. You're the great physician. With one, uh, with one word, you can heal Jacob. Heal him now in the name of Jesus. We don't know what's wrong with him, but you do. May your will be done. We give him. we give him to you. Thank you for 15 years. Oof. 
I knew that was going to be hard to get through. Our faith community uh, showed up. They, they showed up to pray with us, and, and, you know, they were there for us. No one knew what to do but to pray. Um, we found out people were praying all over the world. By the time they found out, our faith community, our small groups that we were part of, and then uh, through the years, other small groups that we were part of had already reached out. I guess my question to you is, do you have a faith community? other than Sunday. And I think it's great that you're here on Sunday um, because this is where we get to do what we do together. We get to express our faith together, grow, learn together. Um, we get to do some fellowship, but are you part of a life group? Are you part of a small group in which you're actually doing life with people and that people get to um, see how God's working in you and you can see how God's working in them. And when there's a need, you can pray for them or they're praying for you and vice versa. You just do life together. It's hard to do that when you just come on Sundays. But I was so thankful uh, that we had a life group, actually multiple. They were, you know, from five years ago, the group that we were in, our small group, they were there to support us and pray with us. Anyways, um, Francine looked at me at the end of that prayer, and she goes, someone's got to praise God, and I'm not leaving him. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to church. And so I, she volunteered me to go to church. She's going to stay with him. The, 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 what the pediatrician thought it was is Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. It's from a tick bite. And on the West Coast, there are no survivors. On the East Coast, there's a small percentage of survivors, and, and the, the infectious disease doctor from the East Coast was at Santa Clara Hospital. So um, he came in, looked at him. It took him about a minute to decide, yep, that's what it is, and, and, you know, um, and was thankful that the pediatrician actually gave him the antibiotic um, a day ago or a day and a half ago. So he's like, well, it's really up to Jacob, you know, and we're thinking. You know, God's going to do this. If he's going to do this, uh, we're going to see a miracle. And so Jacob was healed. Jesus, uh, through, through, you know, it was, yeah. yeah. But it's an example of, so they, they said, you know, we were in day four, and they were like, they all die on day seven. You know, so I mean, after that prayer, it was kind of like watching them try to kickstart his body because it was just had been shutting down. And so we knew and believed that uh, whatever happens, it was God's will and, and that he is faithful. He never, ever is not faithful. That doesn't mean we always get the outcome we want, um, but he is faithful. So it's an example, it's a real example of how to know God's word, how to read God's word, and to say, well, I've seen you do it. Before, I want you to do it in my life. I know this is what you do. You know, the, the wind and the waves, they listen to your voice. Surely you can hear my voice and, and our cry. And with just one word, you can do what you do. But it's an example of reminding him of who he is and then just faithfully um, crying out to him, saying, God, we need you now. Uh, perhaps the most famous verse um, about God's faithfulness is found in the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And the first verse and chorus is based on these beautiful verses. Um, 
let's go actually go back. Do we have the Lamentations? Uh, yeah, there they are. So basically the first verse and chorus are made up of these scriptures. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And then Psalm 89, 33, I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. You see that? That's the word of God right there. So go, go to the next one. Great is thy faith. So this is the first verse, and I've underlined the doctrine. And it's kind of fun to, to sing so all the songs we sang this morning. So it's not just hymns for all those are like hymns only uh, for the content. You know, all this morning was doctrine and all of the, uh, all of those songs. So it can be doctrine can be in contemporary songs as well. But verse one, great is thy faithfulness. O God, my father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. James 1, 17. Thou changest not. This is uh, lamentations. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou has been, thou forever will be. Psalm 89. Go on to the next. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Lamentations. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Again, Psalm 89. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You want to sing it? All right. All right. Here we go. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. Next, we have the goodness of God. God is good. Psalm 107, 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Pastor Jeff said it this morning. Goodness is the foundation of everything. If he ceases to be good by 1%, he's not God. So his goodness is the foundation to his faithfulness, to the fact that he never changes, to everything, his wisdom, he is good. Sometimes I look at, a, at a, just a perfectly cooked piece of steak and I say, look at God. <laughs> just kidding. He's more good than that. He is so good. Uh, Tozer writes this. He said, the goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, full of goodwill towards men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude towards all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. 
By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. God is good. So you've, some of you have heard this, some of you have not, but shepherds, um, the old school, uh, we took a mission trip a few years ago to the old former Yugoslavia, and they have all of the, the shepherds and sheep and a lot of their, you know, uh, economy is from old money, but they still have these practices where I saw a shepherd out there carrying a sheep. And the idea behind that image is that um, Psalm 23 talks about thy rod and thy staff, it, they, it comforts me. This is a hard concept. So for the sheep, uh, like me for a few years, that constantly would wander off. And sheep really don't know anything. They they, you know, they eat what they're not supposed to eat. It bloats their stomach sometimes until they die. So a shepherd has to show the sheep what to die, what to eat. And then sometimes the sheep, they, they drink from parasitic waters and, you know, and they already have problems with bugs and parasites in their nose anyways. And so a shepherd knows this and guides them to good food, to good water. But for the sheep that constantly wanders away, also there's a risk of predators. And it was a very real, it's a very real thing with wolves and coyotes and things that they'll be attacked and sheep can't defend themselves. They don't know anything. So for the sheep that continually did that, the shepherd would take that rod and staff and injure the back leg, one of the legs, usually the back leg, mend it and carry it. And the chief purpose for that was that the, the sheep became so intimate during that time with the shepherd's voice that when the sheep had healed and the shepherd put him down, never thought about wandering away from the shepherd again. And so even in the discipline, even in the pain, and I know you can think of different things that are going on in your life, whether or not it's of storms of perfection or storms of correction, he's still good. He's 100% good. In fact, he's lived all your tomorrows. He knows what you need. And if, it, if you need to be disciplined, regardless of the reason, then the motivation behind that is good, loving, caring, kind, tenderhearted. He loves you so much, he pursues you in a way in which helps change your directions if you need um, change in direction. Am I speaking to anybody here on that? He's 100% eternal. So all those things we reviewed that we've been learning this whole time, he's not any less than he's infinite. He's limitless. He's unchangeable, all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful. He's exalted above the heavens. This one wants a relationship. God, the true God, wants a relationship with you and me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good? He doesn't promise that bad things doesn't happen. He just doesn't. I mean, this week alone, I cut my finger, I burned my arm, I lost my balance, I fell, hurt my ribs. I mean, it's just been this, you know, my youngest child is like, I'm watching my dad grow old, you know? <laughs> In a light way. And then there are things that happen. There's death that happens. Um, there's things that happen out of our control that just hurts so bad. And, and can you see how knowing God and understanding that he loves you and that he is so good 
and that he wants you to remind him of who he is. He wants you to remind him of what he's promised you. He wants you to pray to him. He wants you to reach out and cry out to him. Do you know that I can't do that for you? Pastor Tim can't do that for you. Nobody, your friends can't do that for you. You, your understanding is what affects your life of who God is and knowing him. So let's talk about eternal life because this is, this is the main idea that I want to end with today. What is eternal life? We have John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus defines eternal life and says this when he's praying to the Father, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. When, when Francine and I prayed for Jacob, we believed, we were already believers. We knew that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Son of God, God the Son. He took our sins on that cross and died for us, for you. He conquered death and he rose again. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be what? Saved. But that's the beginning. That's the beginning. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know the only true God, Jesus Christ? You can learn about him. You can sit here and learn all the things that he is, but if you don't know him, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, he is the one that helps us understand who God is. He is the one that makes it possible for have, having a relationship with God, to know him. Eternal life isn't something that you wait to die to experience. You hear that? Because a lot of us have that misconception, like, you know, it's like once, once my ticket's punched, then I get to live an eternal life. And that, that is not at all, that's the opposite of what the Bible teaches, that to know him begins your eternal life. Wouldn't you rather know him now and in everything that you go through, have this God that's 100% powerful, 100% faithful, 100% wise, 100% good, and on and on and on, on your side as your friend, who wants to be reminded by you, us, just us, just, I, I can't imagine. We're so small compared to how big he is, but he wants a relationship. God's not tolerating you. He's not thinking I'll go with the flow. He's not reluctant towards you. God doesn't need to be convinced about you. God in his love for you created every pathway, every avenue for you and him to enjoy the intimate knowledge of one another. He knows everything about you already. There isn't anything he doesn't know. Anything that you haven't done, that, that psalm says he's restorer. He restores us. He's the restorer. He knows who you are. And in spite of knowing who you are, he wants to have a relationship with you. He's convinced about you. He loves you. He's pursuing you. There's nowhere you can go to hide from him, and there's nowhere he won't go to find you, to love you, to restore you, to heal you, to strengthen you, on and on and on and on. He wants a relationship with you. To know him is eternal life. To know him. 
And yet God gave his son, Jesus Christ, and he did what he did to create a pathway so that you and I can experience the union with God and a friendship with him. In this, God is not an abstract idea. It's in the church. I hear it all the time. He's, he's not a person. It's hard for us to see him as a person because we can't see him. He's an abstract idea. Eternal life is not an abstract idea because people think you have, you, you get it when you die. It's an abstract, you can't see it. It's not a philosophy or a competing ideology or a better worldview. It's that you and I actually have a relationship with a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Do you, do you want to know him? People come to church for different things. People come to church maybe to play in the band, to sing on a platform, to, to, to run technology because that's your thing, to meet girls, to, uh, come on, you guys know that, <laughs> to eat donuts. No, I'm kidding. So, but there's all kinds of reasons to come to church. Maybe you, maybe you want your kids to learn about God. Maybe there's all kinds of reasons, but understand the foundational reason to come to church is to know more about God and to celebrate it with other people. So your motivation really um, is, should be, in my opinion, to develop, to see how other people do it, to hear how other people do it, and then ask God to do the same in you and that you would want a personal, intimate knowledge of who he is and then have that relationship with him. Amen? Paul says, I would count all of, all of them as loss that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He says, all the great things, all my accolades, all my accomplishments, all the prizes, all the rewards, all the things that come my way, I count them all but loss. If I could just know you, if I could have a relationship with you, Jesus Christ. Paul says it. And he's reminding us that is the goal. Let everything go. Are, is your heart ready to surrender today? You may already believe in Jesus, but you're, you're not understanding the commitment that the whole idea of eternal life is to know him. Are you ready to commit to that today? It's an important commitment. You're here already. You're 99% of the way. It's just your heart. You got to want to understand. If you're here and you've been wanting, you've been checking this God thing out, you're not convinced. He's convinced about you. You're not convinced. And today you're ready to take that step. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, be my Savior. And so as I pray, um, I'll pray a prayer for both those that, that are not believing yet in Jesus Christ that want to today and for those of us that want to know him more. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. And I thank you, Lord, that you see us and hear us right now. And you know exactly those of us who have not opened our heart and surrendered to you as Lord and Savior. And those of us that haven't done that, Lord Jesus, we pray now that you, Jesus Christ, Son of God, God the Son, who bore our sin on a cross, who conquered death, who rose again so that we could have new life. We ask you, Jesus, our Savior, to be our shepherd, to be our leader, uh, to be the faithful one in our life. 
And Lord, we pray that in full confidence that as we surrender our life to you, you hear our prayer and that you accept us as your children. And for those of us that have already said that prayer and committed our life to believing in you as our Savior, Lord, would you awaken us today to not just learn about you every week, but to want to know more and more about you, to know that we have a relationship with you and therefore living an eternal life. We want to know you more. We want to see your face. We want to know you more, Jesus. And so if, if that is your heart's desire this morning and you prayed that, God, we thank you. Thank you for all of us that are here. You know us. You know all of our yesterdays. And you know all of our tomorrows. And in spite of that, you welcome that prayer. Lord, I thank you for being a good God. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful, never once going against your word, never once being unfaithful. And we thank you, Lord, for being everywhere all at the same time, that you see us and that you choose to make yourself present in our lives according to your will. But Lord, I thank you that you do that for us. We love you. We thank you for hearing that prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.